You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another edition of Cowboys Cast presented by bloggingtheboys.com. I am your host, Bobby Belt. Cowboys top the Patriots in a wild overtime game at Foxborough, 35 to 29. Cowboys head into the bye week at five and one now, and they head into the bye week with an eye on a couple of key injuries and a couple of areas where they can improve now that they are right among the top of the Super Bowl contenders. You can legitimately say this Cowboys team is a Super Bowl contender. That Tony Romo said it yesterday on the broadcast, and because they are a contender. We have to be a little bit more nitpicky about some things. So I figured now's a good time to do it as we're kind of heading into the bye week. So we'll talk about that. Uh, But let's start off recapping the game from Sunday. And I think my main takeaway is despite all of Dallas's self-inflicted wounds, um, despite how sloppy they played, um, and, and it was sloppy at times. I mean, it looked really impressive at certain times, but for a lot of the game, you were left kind of scratching your head wondering what was happening. You know, Dak Prescott throwing behind uh, Cedric Wilson in the end zone, getting that picked off. Um, The fourth down uh, miss early in the game. The busted coverage late. Uh, There there was a lot about that game that was troubling. But I think that despite all of that, they won a game that championship teams win. You know, they didn't necessarily look like a championship team on Sunday, but that's exactly why the victory, which was on the road against a Hall of Fame head coach with so many things working against them, that's why it's as impressive as it was. You know, that's the type of game that a Kansas City or, you know, a Green Bay or somebody like that or or the Patriots in past years, that's the type of game those teams win. They win ugly from time to time. And the Cowboys despite all their flaws, managed to pull it out. And the reason why that's a game that championship teams win is because it says even when you have your issues and even on your very worst days and even on your sloppiest days, when you can pull out a victory, that makes you really tough to beat. That makes you really intimidating. That it says even if they play their worst ball, we can't get the best of them did this on the road in an overtime game injuries mounting up there we'll talk about some of the injuries here in a second the Patriots taking away your running game pretty effectively the Patriots themselves being able to run it pretty much however they wanted even with all of that going on the Cowboys still figured it out and this is a Cowboys team that is unique in that sense because I don't know that they've always just figured it out. Um, I think if you look back at 
2019 or 2016. Um, trying to remember if they had any games where they kind of figured it out like this. None are really coming to mind at the moment. In fact, the, the times where I remember they had an opportunity to figure it out and overcome things were two losses. Those were both to the Giants in 2016. Uh, 2014, same sort of story. I, I don't know that there were a ton of games. They, they were winning the games in, in you know, pretty convincing fashion at times. Maybe the Texans game that went into overtime is similar like this. Um, I think that this game reminded me a lot of the Pittsburgh game in 2016, although I think Dallas played a better, more complete game that day than they did yesterday. Um, but it just had sort of that same, you know, insane vibe. Even through the first, you know, the fourth quarter was absolutely nuts. But even discounting the fourth quarter and just looking at the first three, um, that was just a, a an insane game with the, you know, Dallas is unable to get a single yard on four tries from the New England one. You have the can't see Dak sneaking on third down and then Dak goes for it on fourth down and gets it punched out and the going for four, going for it on fourth down early. And, you know, all the bizarre, like as much as they were dominating the Patriots in so many ways in the first three quarters, how, uh, you know, the scoreboard didn't reflect that and how at halftime they were trailing. And, uh, you know, they had the statistic up there that Bill Belichick had only lost three games at home in his entire career when leading at halftime. Now it is four. And so as bizarre as the first three quarters of the game were that fourth quarter was just flat out insanity Dak it didn't quite look himself for most of the fourth quarter and when the the news came out about his calf strain I kind of wondered okay was that impacting him then in the fourth quarter and then we find out it happened on the last play of the game and so that wasn't necessarily in play there but there was a stretch from the 1331 mark in the fourth quarter uh, until just before the two-minute warning where Dak was one of seven for three yards. I mean, we, we remember how good he was in crunch time yesterday, and I think we forget that leading up to it, it was looking a little dicey. He was not in rhythm with his receivers. Uh, he looked like he panicked a couple times. He was off on the deep ball on, I think, three occasions out of those seven. And so it just looked a little bizarre. And then all of a sudden, it clicked. Right before the two-minute warning, Dak completes a two-yard pass to Ezekiel Elliott that was low, by the way. Zeke kind of picked it up off the ground. Probably should have been one of eight. Uh, but Zeke picks that up, and that starts a run through the end of the game where Dak Prescott goes 10 for 12 for 126 yards and a touchdown. And that's a, that's a footnote in the insanity of the fourth quarter. A couple other small things. You had the Patriots who struggled on third down all day going 0 for 5 in the first three quarters. All of a sudden, they become unstoppable on that one drive in the fourth quarter that put them up 21-20. They go a perfect 3 for 3 in the fourth quarter on third down conversions. And that was the most depleting moment for me of the game where I felt like, okay, you're not going to be able to pull this one out, I don't think. Because they just out-physicaled you. They, they manhandled you on that drive. And we haven't seen that a lot from the Cowboys defense this year. We haven't seen them, you know, even when we see them give up plays, we don't normally see a team just impose their physical will on the Cowboys defense. And that absolutely happened on that drive. They bullied them. And to Dallas's credit, they bounced back. They 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 made the plays necessary down the stretch. Um, there was the bizarre confusion over Connor Williams' holding and unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on the last drive. 
where I, like uh, other people, had thought it was going to be second and 35, and then it was like, okay, well, you can't accept both penalties, right, so we're doing second and, and 20 or second and 25. And as it turned out, the holding penalty was declined, so the incompletion to coop down the field would have made it third and 10, but because of the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Connor Williams, who had a brutal day yesterday of penalties. And we'll talk about that later when I kind of share some stats from the game, but that brutal day for Connor Williams and that strange penalty then leads up to that third and 25 Dallas, of course, picks up 24 to CD lamb. Um, and so these are all, you know, just sort of the craziness of, of that fourth quarter. And then, of course, it's all highlighted by uh, that roller coaster of emotions of seeing Trayvon Diggs get the pick six immediately followed by a 75-yard 70 yard touchdown pass from Mac Jones to Kendrick Bourne. And it was – the blame has been – divvied up or, or people try and point the finger I think and say well, that's KZ blowing coverage over the top or it's Diggs that's ultimately his responsibility I know Romo was a guy who said it was Diggs Bucky Brooks from NFL Network was putting it more on KZ I think they share the blame I think that's probably the easiest way to look at it um, if I was going to lean more one way I, I guess I'd probably say it leans a little bit more on KZ but I think Diggs definitely shares some responsibility there and uh, it was this feeling of invincibility when you get the pick from Diggs, his seventh now in six games, six straight games with an interception, 10 picks in his last 11 games. It was this feeling of invincibility seeing Diggs pick off the pass and run it back, and you felt like, ah, here it is. This is where they've corrected course. And then you miss the two-point conversion, and on the very first play of the next drive, you give up that 75-yard touchdown pass. Felt very much like the uh, that Ravens touchdown in the playoffs a couple of years ago to the Broncos late that forced overtime, where it was just like, how do you give up that that play in that situation? And that was just before the two-minute warning, and it felt very much like, okay, Patriots then get the touchdown, then they get the two-point conversion, and it's like, okay, this this is this could be a a confidence killer. And the Cowboys didn't start out that first drive completely, you know, fluidly. Um, you had Dak miss a throw to CeeDee Lamb, and then he, he almost skipped one to Zeke, and then it was, you know, third and eight, and he only picks up four, only tries for four uh, to Amari Cooper. And then on fourth and four, you had that big completion to Cedric Wilson, which was a... Great throw from Dak, but an even better catch, I think, from Cedric Wilson. And then you saw him kind of, okay, find his rhythm. And, he, you know, he hits Dalton Schultz. And then on that big third and 25, he he finds CeeDee Lamb for 24 yards. And then you get into that overtime and, and the defense. I think at that point, you know, the Cowboys had rebuilt their confidence. They get that stop, even though the Patriots get the ball first. They get the stop on the Patriots get the ball back I was honestly a little surprised I believe it was on that overtime possession where the the Patriots had fourth and one uh close to midfield and I kind of wondered if they would go for it Bill Belichick seemed pretty pretty conservative yesterday on the fourth downs and I don't know I'd have to look and see what he normally does but he seemed pretty conservative on fourth down yesterday because there were a couple of times where I thought well good you got the stop but now it's fourth and one or fourth and two and they may be able to just you know run the ball up the gut and pick it up 
and he opted not to do it. He opted to kick, and that's what he did yesterday. And I would guess playing at home and you're near midfield, it's it's a little bit different um, than if you were on the road and let's say you're at like you know the other team's forty or something like that. Um, a situation the Cowboys faced, for instance, in the Texans game in 2018, where Jason Garrett decided not to go for it and just went ahead and punted it, and then the Texans score and game's over. Um, and so there were just a few times where I thought Belichick opted for conservatism when I didn't really expect it. And then, of course, Dak firing on all cylinders in overtime goes 5 for 5, 71 yards, and that touchdown to CeeDee Lamb. And that was another big takeaway for me, I think, when you look at this game is that the three big stars of this game for me, Dak Prescott, Randy Gregory, and CeeDee Lamb, they, you won this game on their shoulders. And I know a lot of people are trying to say, oh, Trayvon Diggs too. Trayvon Diggs had the pick six. That was great. Um, Trayvon Diggs also contributed to the touchdown pass the following play. And Trayvon Diggs also didn't have his best day in coverage. He he gave up a few passes. He uh, struggled some when you watched him come up and try and help and run defense. I saw him miss a couple reads there, miss a couple angles. And so uh, I, I don't know that I'd put Trayvon Diggs up there as the reason you won the game. I think he was good and he did some good things, but I, I don't think I'd say he was the reason you won. Dak Prescott, Randy Gregory, and CeeDee Lamb are the reasons you won. Uh, Dak Prescott yesterday, 36 of 51, 445 yards, three touchdowns and a pick, a 108.7 passer rating. CeeDee Lamb was targeted 11 times, nine receptions, 149 yards, two touchdowns. And he had a – this is such a small thing, I think, for a lot of people. But he had a one uh, one carry for two yards. Uh, but it picked up a first down, and it was on a play that he very easily could have lost yardage on third and one. Um, and I believe they scored on that drive. Um but C.D. Lamb could have easily lost yardage on that third down play, got to the edge, made a move, made a guy miss, and then, you know, leaned forward and got the first down. Lamb was incredible yesterday. He actually looked like he was blocking better to me anyway, just from the TV broadcast. I noticed him a couple times helping out blocking and opening up some stuff or, or, or keeping the hole alive longer for Ezekiel Elliott, um, who struggled yesterday, but I thought Ezekiel Elliott ran tough. Um, and I think he did some good things, even though it wasn't a gaudy statistical day. I think Ezekiel Elliott played well, given the circumstances and given the defense you were playing. Uh, and then you had Randy Gregory, three tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. And Randy very easily could have had like four sacks. I mean, he was dominant yesterday, and he's been dominant since he came off the COVID list. You had the three holding penalties that he drew against the Eagles. Um, that's the only reason he didn't have any quarterback hits or sacks that day. They just kept holding him. Uh, you had the next week against the Panthers when he picked up two sacks. Giants game where he had nine pressures and two quarterback hits. And then yesterday he gets the two sacks and uh, could have had three or four. And he also drew a holding penalty. And so I think Randy Gregory made a giant difference for you on defense. His two sacks, one of them obviously forced the fumble that Dallas scooped up. Change of possession, that was big. And then the other sack came on third and two and ended the drive for New England. And so both times you got the ball back because of Randy Gregory's sacks. And so those were the big stars for me. It was a a game where you leaned obviously more heavily on the offense. A game where I think the offense shot itself in the foot more frequently than you would expect. Um, And then I think on defense, while they did a solid job, I, I thought this was the worst game for a lot of guys on the team, actually. The worst game of the season, I thought, on defense. I thought that... Osa Digizua didn't make the same sort of impact that we've become accustomed to. 
Um, I think Micah Parsons played his worst game. Not that Micah Parsons was terrible. It's just he looked mortal. Um, Leighton Vander Esch had a couple of really bad reads early. Now, he did make a nice stop on the drive where Trayvon Diggs got an interception. Uh, the first play of the game, the first play of that drive, he made a nice tackle on a first down run. Um, but I thought Vander Esch struggled some. Uh, KZ struggled. And so there's some guys, you know, having their difficulties on defense as well on Sunday. Um, and so I think it was even more important that Randy Gregory stepped up like he did. But again, these are the type of games that championship teams win, is that when they are struggling, they still manage to pull it off. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, so now that the Cowboys are heading into the bye week with a few significant injuries, you've got cornerback Maurice Kennedy, who got a concussion. Um, I would imagine he'll be fine since there is a bye week. He should be able to be back in time, and he's not playing a ton right now. Um, But you don't want to lose any corner depth. Um, You had Tyron Smith, who missed several plays in the third quarter, and I believe into the fourth. Um... He left with about six minutes left in the third quarter, I think it was, uh, with a sprained left ankle. He was already questionable heading into this game with a neck issue, uh, but he had that left ankle injury. He spoke with reporters afterwards, said he'll be fine, said he just needed to get retaped, wanted to get back on the field, help his teammates, said his neck felt great after the game, especially after the win. He said he felt good. And so Tyron, just another little something to monitor. It's just these little, you know, Dinks on him are starting to, you know, pop up. You're starting to get, you know, okay, the neck flares up, and now he gets an ankle in the game, and it just gets you a little nervous because you've you've liked having Tyron Smith completely healthy for the first five weeks of the season, but here about week six, you're starting to see some of the bumps and bruises of an NFL season coming up. And so again, helpful that they have the bye week here. Then you've got the Dak Prescott injury, which is obviously the one people are most concerned about. He was walking around in a boot post game show, joked that. We're heading into the bye week, so he decided to give the reporters something to talk about. Uh, but it's a calf strain. Uh, he's supposed to have an MRI today. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we probably have already heard the results of that MRI. Um, but it may not come out till Tuesday. But he said he heard it on the last play of the game where he was kind of falling back as he threw it to CeeDee Lamb. Um, so we didn't get to see him. You, you know, it's not one of these things where, oh, he strained his calf, but he played, you know, overtime and he looked fine. Or, oh, he did this and that. We, we haven't, we didn't get a chance to see him play on it. 
And so that is a little concerning because you don't know quite how bad it is. Um, of course, it was a calf strain for Michael Gallup that has you know landed him on IR and has kept him out through the first five and a half games of the season. That's a little bit different because Michael Gallup needs to you know run and cut every single snap, whereas Dak Prescott doesn't have the same sort of mobile requirements of a Michael Gallup, and so perhaps the injury wouldn't affect him as much. And uh, you know, I think that. We don't we don't even know at this point if it's as bad as Michael Gallup's. It could just be a mild thing. I mean, he did walk off the field under his own power. Uh, he did do post game media, but again, he was in a boot. And it's just it's always concerning when your quarterback gets hurt. No matter how bad the injury actually is, it's just concerning to see your quarterback with bumps and bruises, and and to see your quarterback pop up on the injury report. It's something that is concerning. But again, it's good that they've got the bye week. They can come up with a treatment plan. They've got two weeks off before they need to play again. Um, And it'll be interesting to see the MRI results and how much Dak Prescott is a practice participant next week uh, before they return to play. All right, so uh, that's what I thought about the Cowboys game yesterday. Uh, And now I want to take a look at what the national conversation had to say about the Cowboys because that's always something you guys seem to love. You guys hate when, you know, the Cowboys are getting dumped on by national media. So uh, we're, we're going to give you some of the positive takeaways nationally. And there's been a lot of discussion about Trayvon Diggs nationally. And you knew that would continue following his seventh interception of the season. Brooklyn Nets guard James Harden actually was one of the folks who weighed in. Harden uh, had tweeted Trayvon Diggs different following his pick six, which Diggs, of course, loved that. Went back and replied to him after Twitter with the little praying hands emoji. Uh, another Cowboys defender who had a big day like we talked about on Sunday was Randy Gregory. Will Compton, the former Titans linebacker, he co-hosts the very popular podcast Bussin' with the Boys along with Taylor Luan. And he took notice of Randy. Both are Nebraska Cornhuskers alums. And Compton had tweeted, Randy Gregory, my goodness, awesome to see him doing well. Randy replied after the game saying, look, I appreciate the love from a black shirt legend like you, but all I want is an invite on Bussin' with the Boys. And he... he you know, had some little fun with that. But uh, Compton liked that. Compton liked the idea. He followed up and said, man, I'd love to have you on and talk about this journey of yours. We'll do that this offseason. For real, I'm happy you found a groove. Stay the course, brother. So it's nice to see Randy Gregory getting the recognition from other guys across the league and the respect from other people across the league for his journey and how he's fought back and how he's playing football now, which is a dominant football player. Randy Gregory has been a dominant football player since returning from the COVID list. Uh, former Steelers Pro Bowl safety, current ESPN analyst Ryan Clark, who's who's been on the Cowboys hype train and been on the Dak Prescott hype train for a little bit uh, when he was watching the game when C.D. Lamb scored the game winner. And Clark tweeted, yep, got to fight C.D. for that one. That was as clean as the way he grabbed the phone from an old girl. Don't, dude, don't miss a beat. And that, of course, is a reference to when he swiped his cell phone from his girlfriend on draft night, which I still don't feel like we've gotten a, a, a good, a, a truthful explanation of of why he snatched that phone i think we need to do some investigating on that and of course uh, we can't talk about national reaction to the cowboys without covering what people were saying about dak prescott tony dungy and drew Brees uh talked about dak and the cowboys as a whole on football night in america last night here's what they had to say coach let's start with what we saw from the cowboys having to bounce back from a poor start i have to really just say dak prescott was unbelievable today all of those times in the red zone the problems Things don't go right. You don't score. You sh- you're playing well. You should be winning. He didn't get discouraged. He just kept coming back, making plays, third and 25. You know, 
Prescott just played outstanding today in a, in a big situation. He did. And I've been really impressed with this Dallas defense and the way that they've responded this year. So, so light years changed from what they were last year. And how about Trayvon Diggs? <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. If he's close to the ball, he's coming down with it. They, they weren't good against the run early on in this game, but they came out, stopped New England on the very first drive to give the ball back to their offense time. to be able to go and win in overtime. Well, if you look at the Cowboys the last few years, we've said we're talented, not playing up to their potential. This year, totally different. They are playing well. They're Even today, overcoming mistakes, Games that, uh, you know, Dallas would have lost in the past like this, they came back and won, and I think that's showing us something about their maturity. And so much is being said about their offense, how explosive they are, how well Dak is playing, and all that's true, but I give a lot of credit to this defense. Mm -hmm. They were historically bad last year. Dan Quinn coming in, new defensive coordinator, new scheme, but more importantly, new mindset. These guys are coming and playing aggressive. They forced the the second most turnovers Mm -hmm. behind the Bills of any team uh, defense in the NFL, so... They're, they're playing like a team that, that knows how to win now. Yeah, you talk about mindset. We saw them on opening night. They're in Tampa, defending champions. The banner comes down. They were not intimidated at all, had a chance to win that game, and they played just better every game since then. And I'll say this, too, about Dak Prescott. In my mind, he is playing as a, he's a top-three quarterback in the league right now, the way that he's playing, the way that he's leading uh, his team. So Dallas is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And I had mentioned this at the start of the show. With that level of contention comes a different level of expectation. It it comes a different standard of criticism. And some of the little things that may have felt nitpicky last year, or even earlier this season, should now be a topic of discussion because those little things make a difference between the top teams in the league. When you're talking about the top three or four or five teams, it's it's the little things that separate you from those teams. And so while we're all thrilled with how Dallas has played, I thought it'd be a good time to take a look at some of the things they can improve as they head into the bike. This isn't about negativity. This is just about, you know, self-scouting and addressing some things that could be better for this team as they look to make a real push for the Super Bowl. And I think most of it still resides on defense, even though they've been opportunistic, they've made big plays. Um, I think the defense is still the bigger focus, but there are some things on offense that that could be better. And I think the thing that stands out to me most about the offense, and it was something they did better yesterday, the downfield passing attack can still be better. Uh, You know, it wasn't until yesterday that you saw Dak really kind of pushing things downfield. He had a couple deep throws against the Giants, but a lot of what he's done this season has been more the intermediate routes, playing stuff short of the sticks, you know, setting things up for you know, just methodical drives. Um, and we know he's capable of of really stressing a defense downfield. And so I think it's it'd be good for this team if they could see a little bit more of that. And again, that's not necessarily a criticism. It's just another aspect of the offense and an aspect of the offense that has been there the last two seasons with Dak Prescott that I think would be helpful for this team and would take them up to another level. They also, of course, I mean, they could play better in the red zone than they have. They struggled in the red zone pretty bad yesterday against the Patriots. Um, the pass blocking could be a little bit better. I think run blocking, they've been great this entire season. The pass blocking could be a little bit better. Um, you know, Dak is forced to move around a little bit and, you know, make some quicker throws than I think he'd like to. Uh, and in large part, that's because the pass blocking hasn't been the best. I think it's been good. I don't think it's been great. Um, and, you know, you're going to get Lyle Collins back here soon. 
Uh, Tyron Smith hopefully is healthy. Um, you know, but th- that's an area where Tyler Biotish could improve. Uh, Lyle Collins, you hope he doesn't have any rust. Tyron Smith, you hope he stays healthy. Um, the pass blocking could be better, and I think that would help the other issue that we just talked about, which is getting the ball downfield more and and testing the defense more. And hopefully that'll also return when Michael Gallup gets back. Michael Gallup's a guy that Dak Prescott likes to push the ball to on sort of those nine routes down the field, and he hasn't had him as a target. Um, and so typically the way the Cowboys have run things, I mean, every now and then Coop's a guy they push the ball downfield to, but a lot of times it's the slants and, and you know, the little digs and some of the intermediate routes that go to Lamb and Cooper, and then they're pushing the ball further downfield on posts and, uh, you know, nine routes to Michael Gallup. And so hopefully they'll get some of that back in the offense and, and a factor in their offense when Michael Gallup returns here and when Lyle Collins is back at right tackle blocking for Dak Prescott. But overall, you can't complain much about what the uh, the offense has done. But I do think that's an aspect that you'd like to see return to the offense when you're talking about separating them from the pack among these other contenders. On defense, I think it's it's easy. Uh, less bending. They have been bend but don't break, but you'd like to see less of the bending because um, you're going to break more frequently against some of these better teams. And that's just natural because it's a better football team. And those turnovers aren't necessarily always going to be there for you. I mean, I say that, but they've also had you know, two turnovers minimum for, what, like 10 straight games now. And Trayvon Diggs keeps intercepting passes and, and, you know, they keep wreaking havoc. And so, I don't know, maybe it can keep going until the end of time. But there will be days where the turnovers aren't going to be there like they have been. And that's going to be a time where it's going to be critical for them to just get the actual stops and, and not give up some of the yardage or the chunk plays that they have. I mean, they've been fortunate at times. Opening game of the season, DeMonte KZ punches out the ball short of the goal line against the Buccaneers. Cowboys scoop it up. Second game of the season, DeMonte KZ intercepts Justin Herbert in the end zone. You're not always going to have these benefits, and better teams will make you pay for that. So less bending on defense would be good. I'm seeing less issues with their pursuit angles on defense, the way they you know run after the ball, the way they pursue the ball carrier. That's been better this year, much better than it was last year. They're still not tackling great at times. The There is a tendency to make the first guy miss or to struggle with wrapping up. And I mean, they swarm to the ball so well, they usually get it wrapped up not long after the first guy misses. But you'd like to see better tackling from this Cowboys team, I think. And then the other thing I would look at is I think you need to reduce the number of game management issues. And I know some of the Mike McCarthy stands out there rolling their eyes and, oh, you know, you can't say it. But there have been times this year, it has not bit them yet, really. But there have been times this year where you wonder, what the hell are you doing, Mike McCarthy? Or Kellen Moore? Or Bones Fossil? Or whoever? Some that you just, it doesn't have to all be Mike McCarthy, but you're wondering, what is with, you know, the kicking a field goal from 60 yards away with a guy who's struggling before the half in Tampa and then setting it up to where Brady could have gotten them in field goal you know, range for extra points. Didn't happen, but I mean, it very easily could have. Or the flubbed clock management at the end of the Chargers game where they said they couldn't see the clock, and so they lost all that time and were forced to take a longer field goal than was necessary. And again, Zerline hit it, but that was really stressing the limits of his range. And then yesterday, I mean, you, you had some 
questionable calls. I like that McCarthy and the Cowboys are as aggressive as they are in fourth down. I don't necessarily like doing it in the first quarter like they did on that first drive. And then giving the points right back to New England puts you in a 7 nothing hole. And that's easy to look at it in hindsight and say, well, they shouldn't have done that. But, I mean, even at the time before it happened, it didn't feel like the right time to do that. It felt overly aggressive. And I know they trust their their running game to pick up a yard, but uh, that was third and fourth down where they couldn't pick up a yard. And then it was four downs from the one-yard line in the second quarter where they couldn't pick up one. And so I think that there should have been some, and that's another time where I don't know that they should have been running the ball, was on that four downs right there at the goal line. You saw how you had so much trouble doing it on third and fourth down earlier in the game. Throw the ball once. And the two other times the Cowboys were at the one-yard line yesterday, they threw the ball both times, and both times they scored. So I still wonder about game management issues, clock issues, you know, timeouts, field position, strategy. There's just some of that there that's a little questionable, I think. So those would be the four things I think that I would focus on for the Cowboys to really improve their standing among the contenders. Downfield pass and attack can be better. Less bending on defense tackle better, reduce the number of game management issues. That's the nitpicky things I think we're looking at now that Dallas needs to polish up. All right, before we finish up here, uh, I'm going to dump a few stats on you. I was uh, all Adderalled up yesterday. Uh, Prescription, by the way. Everybody calm down. Not taking anything illegally. Um, And when the game ended, I just started doing my normal research and uh, found a few stats that I thought were interesting. So I was going to close out with these. The Cowboys are the first road team in NFL history to incur 115 penalty yards, convert less than 25% of their third down attempts, allow four touchdowns, and still win the game. So that's the exact type of thing that we're talking about when we say championship teams win when they're not at their best. That's a lot of really bad on you. You had 12 penalties for 115 yards. You weren't converting on third down. You were allowing these touchdowns, and you were on the road, and you still pulled it out. That is a big deal. Uh, We talked about the penalty issues for Connor Williams yesterday. Over the last six years, Zach Martin has six penalties accepted against him. That's six penalties in six years. Connor Williams over the last six weeks has six penalties accepted against him. So you've got Connor Williams with as many penalties accepted against him in the last six weeks as Zach Martin has in the last six years. And I know we're comparing Hall of Famer Zach Martin to Connor Williams, but good gosh, man, get it together a little bit. Trayvon Diggs' interception yesterday was the 11th of the season for the Cowboys. That snaps a dubious streak for Dallas of six consecutive seasons with 10 interceptions or fewer. That streak was the longest in the NFL over the last 88 years. And we're just six games into the season. A third of the way into the season, they snap a streak of six straight seasons that was the longest streak in the NFL in almost a century. That's insane. And I think it speaks to the ball skills of some of these guys on defense, but it also speaks to what Dan Quinn has done with this defense. And also why I still think you're going to lose Dan Quinn at the end of the season. I know none of y'all want to hear that. Uh, Since the AFL-NFL merger, here are the players with at least seven interceptions through the first six games of a season. 11-time Pro Bowler, 6-time All-Pro, and Pro Football Hall of Famer Rod Woodson in 1993, and Trayvon Dixon, 2021. That's it. That's the end of the list. Rod Woodson won Defensive Player of the Year in 1993, by the way. We need to start talking about Trayvon Diggs as an MVP candidate and not just a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He's making that much of a difference. 
Uh, Dak Prescott yesterday, three more touchdown passes. Uh, he's now at 16 for the season through six games. That's the most touchdown passes for a Cowboys quarterback through the first six games in franchise history. That's also four straight games with three touchdown passes for Dak, and that's the longest streak in team history. Uh, when you look at the highest career passer rating, minimum 60 attempts in NFL history when the game is tied in the fourth quarter or overtime. Number five, Aaron Rodgers, 105.9. Number four, Andrew Luck, 108.3. Number three, Vinny Testaverde, 108.6. Number two, Rich Gannon, 111.6. Number one, Dak Prescott, 148.3. Dak Prescott, for his career, when the game is tied in the fourth quarter or overtime, is 63 of 80. That's 78.7% completion percentage. 848 passing yards. That's 10.6 yards per attempt. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, 148.3 pass rating. He is 18 for 18 in his career in overtime. He is perfect in crunch time. When the stakes are at their very highest, a tie, a tie ball game late, Dak Prescott is the very best quarterback in NFL history by that, in that metric, in, the, in, that, in that context. Dak is also now tied with Drew Brees for the most passing games or the most games in NFL history, which is five, with 440 passing yards and three touchdown passes. Year six, and he's already tied the NFL record with Drew Brees. Cowboys are three games up in the NFC East. We're going to close with this one because I think it's the one that'll make you all the most happy and make RJ Ochoa the most happy since we can. Tie it back to, this was also the last time they won the Super Bowl, which is what RJ loves to do. Cowboys are three games up in the NFC East after six weeks. Uh, Dallas hasn't had a three-game lead this early in the season since 1995 when they led by three games after four weeks. And the 1995 season, of course, is the last time Dallas won the Super Bowl. All right, uh, bye week coming up. We'll still be here for you next Monday previewing everything and, and chatting with you about where the Cowboys stand, probably talking about that Dak Prescott calf strain and, and the more we know about that. Uh, Cowboys will not be back on the football field until Halloween. They will be on Sunday Night Football on the road against the Vikings. Uh, an opportunity for Dallas to keep this train going, 6-1. and one. An opportunity for Kirk Cousins to, you know, keep Trayvon Diggs' streak alive. There's a lot exciting about this Cowboys team right now. And uh, like I said, I know earlier in the show, we did some of the ran over some of the things that the Cowboys could improve upon. And again, that may feel a little nitpicky, but uh, I think it's important to start talking about these smaller things, not in a overly critical or negative sort of way, but in a really positive way that this team is one of the legitimate contenders for the Super Bowl right now. And you need to clean up some of those smaller things. So it's an exciting time. Cowboys Vikings on Halloween in Minnesota in a couple weeks. Bye week next week. Cowboys hopefully get rested up, recover some of these injuries. And who knows, when we come back and get the Vikings here in a couple weeks, maybe it's the return of uh, Lyle Collins and Michael Gallup. And hopefully not too far behind them is Demarcus Lawrence. All right, we'll talk to you all next week. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, 
perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.